Well, that is, always is fun. You never quite know what's going to happen when the children's bell choir comes up. <laughs> We're going to transition now to our morning storytelling time. And this is something we do here as a church, if you're new here. Um, it's a time when members of the congregation, you guys get to come up and share a little bit about yourself and your story. And today we get to hear from Patricia Pont. She grew up in this church and she has served in so many different ways, especially with those little kids that you just saw on the stage. Uh, she's got a real way with them. Um, but she is home from college and she's gonna be sharing a little bit about her story with us today. So would we invite Patricia on up with a warm welcome. Good morning, my name is Patricia. With 2020 just around the corner, I found myself reminiscing on 2019. I think 2019 might have been my best year yet. Um, a year of growth, a year of fun, but also some pain. I cannot possibly fit one year into five minutes, so instead, I will talk about my latest moment of growth. This August, I started at the University of Tampa. I was, ner I was so nervous and excited. I was about to move 3,000 miles away on my own. The minute I got there, I felt right at home with my roommates, and, I, and we connected right away. We even talked about being in each other's weddings one day. We did everything together. We studied together, we partied together, we ate together, we cried together, we lived together. I loved these girls, and as the weeks went by, weeks that felt like months, months that felt like years, I had had enough. I slowly found myself needing space. I noticed them becoming dependent on me, as if they couldn't do things for themselves. To be honest, maybe we, got, we all became a bit codependent on each other. I've always been pretty independent, a pretty independent person, and I found myself needing some time away from them. I felt awful for feeling this way, because honestly, at that point, they hadn't done anything to make me not want to be with them, other than the fact that I was always with them. My classes eventually started, and I met so many great people. I made other friends and started spending more time with them. I made it a point to get outside my comfort zone at least once a day. Whether that was introducing myself to a new person, or raising my hand in class, or joining a club, or going to yoga by myself, which I have to admit, I've gotten pretty good at. I don't even fall asleep anymore. <laughs> Point is, I was getting outside my comfort zone. I eventually stopped hanging out with my roommates 24-7 because I had other friends and other commitments. That's when I noticed the atmosphere in my room change. My roommates started not inviting me to things and making rude comments to my face. They talk about each other behind each other's backs separately, so I could only imagine what they had to say about me behind my back. Um, I let this go on for way too long until I asked them to have a roommate's meeting. I started the meeting saying that I had noticed the atmosphere in the room change and us getting distance from each, distant from each other. I wanted this conversation to be a moment of growth and healing. Instead, it turned into a them-against-me situation. They told me that I was superficial, shallow, and an overall negative person who affected their mental health. Now mind you, I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm not any of the things I just listed. I take mental health very seriously, and those were some serious accusations. I was hurt, shocked, and taken by surprise. I thought these girls knew me, that they had taken the time to really get to know me as I had them. And this is what they had to say? I couldn't believe it. This went on for two hours, and they eventually left the room. I cried for the next three days straight. I started to doubt my own character because of this, but I turned to my new friends and my friends back home and my parents, who all reminded me of my worth. I explained this event to my RA, the person in charge of our floor, and she told me that I was bullied. 
I had never been bullied, so I didn't understand how someone could just say things like these, purely out of jealousy and pain, especially at the age of 18, where I understood we were too old for this. The situation in our room just got worse after that. They would do little things here and there to let me know that I was not welcome, and I will be moving out to a different room next semester. In the midst of all of this, I remembered a quote that I used to say a lot. Friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime. And honestly, you never know who's who until it's over. These were my friends for a reason. College is hard in many aspects, but I wasn't about to let these girls define me. My mom has always told me, you know who you are, and God knows who you are, and that's all that matters. I learned that I had to be confident in the person I was. I learned I didn't need to prove myself to anyone, and if someone else couldn't see that, that they weren't meant to be in my life. Thank you for listening to my story. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Psalm in Luke. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 5 through 10 from Psalm chapter 146, verses 8 through 15 from Luke chapter 2 in the New International Version. Blessed are those who help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at the night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, and we are so happy to have Rick Newell to share with us this morning from God's Word. Uh, Rick told a story a few months ago, was one of our storytellers, and he was so great, I thought, I want to hear more from this guy. So as I was kind of plugging people into our sermon schedule, I asked him if he would be willing to uh, do a Sunday in Advent, and he graciously said yes. Rick is the executive director of MUST. What, what might that mean? MUST is Mentoring Urban Students and Teens. You won't forget it now, right? He has a lot to share with us today, but something I found out first service that we, you're not going to be able to see second service is he also knows how to play the handbells. <laughs> we, ha we had a few kids decide in the middle that they just weren't going to do that anymore, and Rick came up and took their bells for him and started ringing. So he's on for next year. Thank you, Rick, for being here, and we look forward to hearing your message. Check, check. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I, we are kind of new to this church, so I was very honored to be able to come up here. Uh, until I found out I have to follow the children's choir. <laughs> and also, when I found out our topic today is justice, and we only have 25 minutes to cover it. <laughs> this is a huge topic. It says the foundation of God's throne is justice, and we're going to cover it in 25 minutes. <laughs> Uh, we are not going to be able to do justice justice today, and uh, we just ask for a little grace in that department. Uh, and also, before I get going, I want to acknowledge that I am a white, heterosexual, American male who grew up in a stable home. So asking me to speak about justice might seem like asking an ostrich, you know, what it's like to fly through the air. Uh, but feel like I should just say, I want to give you my just resume, all the things that I say and do, but just, just what she said. My wife and I run a nonprofit. We punch injustice in the teeth each and every week. We are really passionate about this, and we live it out. So we have a, not a lot. We're not experts, but we have a little bit of experience, okay? Um, we are talking about justice today. Anyone who has more than one kid of a certain age understands justice well. We have four sons, awesome sons. We love them very much. But inevitably, one of my sons will come to me, usually the older two right now, Luke or Eli, and they will come to me and say, Luke did this or Eli did that. And then right behind them will be the other, other brother. And the other brother will say, you're right, I did do that. I'm so sorry for that. How can I make things right? <laughs> No, the other brother comes behind, not because he's bad or either of them bad, but the other brother says, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. And, and I'm in the middle. And so we sit down and I listen to Luke's truth from his point of view and I listen to Eli's truth from his point of view. And we talk it out and I make a decision. And, you know, nine times out of ten, both sons walk away thinking, he is so wise and just. <laughs> He's like Solomon. He gets it every time. Uh, no, you know, at least one of them, usually both of them walk away thinking, that's not fair. That's not fair. Uh, and it's true. It's not fair. And it's not because I don't care about these two. It's, it's because I'm not well informed. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. And the only person who can be just all the time is God the Father. He sees it all. He knows it all. So he can be just all the time when we're kind of stuck in this, this shell we're in. Um, and so what delights God about the situation I just described is that I listen to Luke and Eli. It literally delights him when we do this. Insert lots of verses we don't have time for, right? Uh, what, uh, what angers God, not irritates, but literally angers God, is when we do one of two things. Number one is we, uh, we'll go back a little bit, we, we don't listen. So Eli comes to me and I go, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. Right? I just don't plug me in, all right? Or the other one is we don't listen. Uh, they come to me or we don't try. The other one is they say it and I say, I don't know, you figure it out. I can't. <laughs> Those two actions really anger the Lord that when we are passive in this way. And so I know it's cheesy, but we're going to do it together real quick. On the count of three, we're all going to go la, 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 la. And I'm going to resist filming you all while you do it. But this will seal it in some of our brains. So on the count of three, one, two, three. La, 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 la. Good. And that symbolizes just I don't want to know about it. And the second one is, and you have to do both the sound effects and the hand motions, and that is, I don't know, you figure it out, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three, I don't know, you figure it out. And that means I just don't want to get involved in this, okay? This is Lloyd and Dumb and Dumber going la, 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 just because I think it's funny. <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about justice, and these are the two, there's 25 minutes we could spend just on those two awesome words right, right there. But they boil down to this idea, to make right. You're going to make some effort to make things right. Uh, and if we follow Jesus, we know that he is passionate about justice, 
And justice means to make right, which means that Jesus makes things right. Following Jesus, we learn from him how to be just, what type of things we need to do in order to live justly. Following with me? And so we're going to have a premise for the rest of our time here, and it's this. In order to be just, make right, in order to be just, we must find the information we can, anyone, uh, trust, and take action. In order to be just, we must find information we can trust and take action to go with it. Um, Christianity is unique in that we have four separate accounts. If you're new to the Bible or, or church, you're just checking it out today. Uh, four separate accounts of our central figure's life. That is Jesus. Uh, and there's four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're looking at Luke today. And at the beginning of Luke, Luke tells us, hey, I talked to eyewitnesses of all the things that went on with Jesus. All the miracles, all the crazy stuff. It's legit. And he says, he's a doctor, and he says he carefully investigated what happened. Which means Luke probably interviewed people. He probably sat down with Mary and said, tell me everything from the beginning to end. And maybe talked about the shepherds we're going to talk about in a minute. Or he might have gone to the shepherds and said, was anybody there that night? You know. So this story we can lean on. The, the verses in the Bible, we can lean and say, this is something we can rely upon to get to know Jesus. So the main question about the shepherds that we just did, and this is the prompt that was given me to talk today, was why announce to shepherds? When Prince George was born, they posted this thing out in front of the palace. This is their tradition. Throngs of people are just seeing to make sure that he was born okay. This is people just wanting to take a picture of the little thing right there announcing he's born. And Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, so why don't we have a party like this for Jesus when he arrives? Uh, and the traditional uh, understanding is it relates to the kingdom of God. Um, some family friends of ours, they call it the upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is really backwards in a lot of ways. And the first uh, this upside-down kingdom. In the kingdom of God, if you want to live, you need to die. die. You need to die to yourself. Whatever you want, Lord. Not me, but you now. In uh, another one, you need to click here. <laughs> we need to, if you want to lead, then you need to... Follow or serve. Yeah, follows too. If you're, uh, you have enemies, then you need to love. love them, bless them, pray for them. Uh, very upside down than what we're taught, right? And if you're rich in this kingdom, in the upside down kingdom, it's not about wealth. It's not about money. It's some other kind of currency that goes on. And finally, in this new kingdom, if you're a king, you come in in a humble way. Uh, and so our question is, who are these shepherds? And I grew up, I was teaching, traditionally these shepherds are outcasts. The temple said, um, if you do these certain things, you are unclean. And since um, shepherds are around unclean things a lot, they're just unclean a lot. And so they're outcasts, they're marginalized, they're poor, they're the least of these, they're, they're excluded. And so um, I was assigned all the verses today. I didn't pick them for justice, and so I started to do my homework. And you, you can go to a seminary. You don't need to go to seminary and sign up. You can learn all the knowledge that's right there. They, they'll have a bibliography, and you can say, I'm studying Luke, and the bibliography will tell you the most up-to-date commentaries on the book of Luke. So you read the most up-to-date theories on what people have learned to find out. And it turns out there's some other theories about who these shepherds were. Um, the first one's kind of crazy if you haven't heard about it. Uh, the first one, this is called the Migdal Eder. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's called the Tower of the Flock. And there was an edict that said the sheep that were between here and Jerusalem belonged to the temple system because the temple needed sheep all the time. They sacrificed at least two a day. Uh, and so these shepherds and these sheep were part of the temple and they 
they weren't holy, but they, were, they weren't low. They were respected. They were not poor. They were not outcast. They're, they're much different than expected. And again, I'm not making this up, but it says that they would wrap the lambs in swaddling clothes and lay them in stone mangers to take care of them uh, and make sure there's no blemishes on them. Does that sound familiar? Uh, and it says that uh, there, was a, there was a prophecy that said the Messiah would be na- announced there or even given birth there. So some people think, these are the shepherds, and that Jesus was born here, right? Uh, and the question is, who is these shepherds? And it, what I've studied is very few people, very few scholars believe that these were low-caste people. They were poor, they were on the outside of society. Some people do, but few believe that anymore. And even fewer believe they were high, they were priests, or they were these temp, you know, the, the tower we just explained. Most theologians nowadays just believe they were regular people, like you or I, that they're, they have a sheep business. It says their own, their own sheep they're taking care of. Uh, and we have lots of positive examples of, of great shepherds in the Bible, right? It's not a negative thing. Uh, and so these shepherds are just more run-of-the-mill. And I think the kingdom of God thing still applies where it's upside down. I'm not appearing to kings and queens first. I'm appearing to just regular people. This is how I'm going to start my kingdom. And it says, in order to be just, we must find information we can trust and take actions. It took effort for me. I had stereotypes about shepherds or different groups of people or different systems that I have a premonition about. But it took effort for me to go and study and break down my misconceptions about these shepherds. In the same way, it requires effort to be just. You are swimming upstream most of the time. It's, it's hard work. It requires effort to be just, to find out the information from Luke and Eli. Are you tracking with me? If you're plugged into Jesus, these are our two faucets. This one is justice. If you're plugged into Jesus, this is turned on. And justice is flowing. You're, you're gathering information in order to be just. This is flowing. Does that make sense? Um, this next section, uh, Julie sent me passages of scriptures, and she didn't realize she sent it to me. So I prepared for this, and she didn't know it. So I think this is, uh, I didn't pick this. This is here for somebody. Maybe one person, maybe a lot of people. But this section here, uh, I feel like God wants us to talk about it. And it's difficult. Um, so in your brain right now, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to be yes, no, or maybe pretty quickly. Do you think you're going to heaven? Yes. No. Maybe. That should be in your brain really quickly. Um, and Jesus is going to talk. It's this section of the Pharisees. He talks. He's really angry, really, with three groups of people, Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law. We don't have time to go to them in detail. But Jesus is really clear with these group of people, you're not going to make it. He's saying, whoa, just like a horse. It's not a horse in the, in the Greek in the Old Testament, but it's the same idea. If you don't pull back, you're going to go over the cliff and you're going to die. You are going to hell. He, he doesn't mix words, so I would like to butter this up and make it taste really good this morning. But he's clear you're not going to make it, okay? Uh, and we're talking about this Pharisee. So Jesus comes in. Again, we didn't read it. I have to tell you the story. But he comes into this Pharisee's house, and he doesn't wash his hands. For us, no big deal. I have four sons. They don't wash their hands, right? But no big deal. But in this case, it is. Everyone is aware of what Jesus is doing. First guy comes, washes his hands. Next guy comes. Jesus comes to wash his hands. He takes his hands off. 
and goes through. And everybody is aware that he didn't wash his hands. The best analogy I can think of is a lot of my friends, my best friends, are Asian for different regions. Uh, and when you enter uh, someone's home, this is what you find. You take your shoes off at the door. It's understood. And that's just to keep the house clean. Makes lots of sense. And they'll often have a, a clothes rack up or a shoe rack there. You can put slippers on. But this is understood. So it would be like if I was Japanese and I entered a Japanese home and I had my dirty shoes on and I stepped over these shoes and I just walked through the house with my shoes on. Everyone would be aware, very aware, like why is he still wearing his shoes? Jesus is doing this when he steps in his Pharisee's house. He's picking a fight with him when he doesn't wash his hands. And then he goes further and he lists all these woes that, that weren't listed up here. Um, and one of the woes we're talking about is this one. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a tenth of all your mint, rue, and other garden herbs. Jesus is saying, you do really well about all the checkboxes, all the laws. You do awesome on that. Two of these three, they were supposed to tie. The third one, they weren't even supposed to. They're going above and beyond. They obey the law really, really well. Um, and so when we look at the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, I don't, we don't have time to describe them all, but they all fall in these categories. And again, I know this is harsh, but Jesus is really clear, so we need to be really clear this morning. These people, they go to church, or in that case, their case, they go to temple regularly. They praise God regularly. They pray regularly. Again, these are people that are not going to make it, that Jesus, God, is angry with. This should cause some goosebumps and get a little comfortable. I'm probably offending people by just putting this list up here. They read scripture regularly, or the Bible in our case. They tithe. They, they do their 10% and even more regularly. It, are you getting uncomfortable in your seat? Uh, in another story, the sheep and the goats, same idea, not pertaining to Pharisees, but pertaining to followers of Jesus. At the end of that story, he says, many will come to me on the final day. Not few. He says, many will come to me on the final day and be surprised. What? I'm not getting in? And they give these, these reasons. They say, in Jesus' name, did you I, we drove out demons in your name, Jesus. We did many miracles in your name, Jesus. We, we had prophecies in your name. And Jesus says, that's great and all, but you, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. You're not coming in. That is harsh. And this is the second half of the verse that gives us our clue. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. This is justice. This is loving uh, the least of these. Loving people that are maybe hard to love or the poor. or Jesus calls it the least of these in whatever circle that you are running on. If you're following Jesus, these should be on. You should be engaged in justice and you should be loving people that are the least of these. Jesus is saying, these are not my words. Jesus is saying, this is a non-negotiable. The right side is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you must be pursuing justice, and you must be loving people that are the least of these. If you're not, alarm bells should be going off in your brain. Like, why is this not happening? Uh, and I'm not, again, this was not my topic. I don't know people here, so I'm not thinking of anybody in the room. But it should be like, oh, what's going on here, okay? Uh, and... Um, in the sheep and the goats, these are the, the ideas he gives them. To, these are what you sh kind of things you should be doing. The things on the left are good. They are not bad. They are good things, but they should serve the things on the right. Okay? Have we offended everybody yet? <laughs> this is how it's, he goes through a bunch of woes in the scriptures that we didn't read here. Uh, but this is how it's described. They have this, uh, this th uh, thought that I am a really good person and I'm almost a great person. I'm almost there. 
Uh, you're concerned about our appearance, uh, concerned about laws and rules. With my sons, I struggle with this. If you don't do it the way I asked you, then uh, that's what I struggle with. Pride, you're dead inside, you're hypocritical, you want to save from familiar and clean. On the other side, you understand that it's no destination. I'm never going to arrive. I am messed up, and Jesus is going to work on me my whole life. I'm not arriving anywhere anytime soon. Uh, we are vulnerable. We want to be people of grace and faith, humility, alive, authentic. You get in risky situations. It's messy. It's, when you're pursuing justice, it's just messy to be involved in. So this is our thing. In order to be just, we must find information we can trust and take action. And Jesus is saying the action needs to be justice and love. That should be in, those faucets should be on right now, okay? What happens is you get in these situations and you, you are confronted with this idea. I have no idea what to do right now. When you pursue justice, you're like, oh, I do. Literally, while I'm preparing this message on Friday night, my, my phone gets a text. And it's from my friend's sister. My friend I've known a long time. He's, uh, he's got a solid job, but he's been living out of his car for a long time. And his sister is married, they have a baby, and their situation is really fragile too. And I, I, don't, I know him really well, but I don't know her very well. She's texting me on a Friday night, and I know if I open that text, it's going to consume my evening. I just know it. I just like, oh, man, I don't, uh, I, I'm preparing this message. I really, this is the first time you've asked me to speak, and I really want you to like me. I want, I want you to love Jesus. I want you to be passionate about justice. Like, for the sake of one, I want to help a lot of people. So you see where my brain is going? Like suddenly I'm in this column here. I'm worried about my appearance, what you think about me, laws, rules. All my compassion just suddenly shut down. I'm hypocritical. I'm going to preach on justice and not answer a text. It's safe and familiar. It's clean. I don't want to get on my jacket in the rain and go do whatever this is. Uh, and then I realize, you're preaching on this in two days. Okay. And I open it, and, and she says, hey, um, and she says, yeah, well, my, son, my husband got picked up for, to go to prison. He was out on, he had a warrant out because he was driving with a suspended license, and bail is 1050. Uh, we have the 1050, but the, the bail bondsman won't take it because we have bad credit. And will you take our 1050 and give it to the bail bondsman so my husband can get out? Uh, I have no idea what the right thing to do is right now, right? Uh, so what's our premise? Well, our premise is this. In order, to, in order to be just, in order to have a good clicker, in order to be just, we must find information we can trust and take action. So I don't text her. I pick it up and I call her. So what's up? What's going on? Okay, so and why are you, why was he picked up? And, and then what happened? And gather information. Okay, well, let me pray about and talk about my wife. I'll call you back. Okay, I, I have lots of friends that have gone to prison, but I, don't, I have never done bond before. I don't know how that works. So call a lawyer friend. So how does this work? Uh, and it works like this. Do you, oh, let me, you're getting the cheat sheets here. Um, it works like this. If you pay the 1050, it's like insurance. You pay the 1050, but if he doesn't show up for his court dates, then they come to us. Bail is 10000 Then they'll come to us for $10,000. And I don't have to tell you, I don't have $1,000 or $10,000 lying around. We run a nonprofit. You know, Goodwill, <laughs> where this came from. Uh, it's tight, right? Uh, and so we're like, oh, man. Uh, and our premise is this. And so it gets us to two decisions. And that is uh, we say no or we accept our money and then he gets out of jail and we pray and hope he doesn't skip his thing. Uh, and then, like you already saw, the Holy Spirit 
then kind of overrides all that, and, and he says, well, why don't you take $1,000 out of your own account and give it to them? Like, whoa, hey, <laughs> are you sure? I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, so we're left with three options. We say no, which honestly could be the very best thing, the most just thing is to say no to them. Or it could be we accept your money and give it. That's the most just thing. Or it could be that we give it out of our own account. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what we did because I wanted to sit with you. Uh, it's unexpected what happened next. <laughs> but you see how it gets. It gets really messy and suddenly we're in this column. Uh, we're now about grace. Now we're about, we're, my emotions are alive. I'm authentic. I'm, it's risky. It's messy. Uh, it's hard to do. When you're doing justice, you're going upstream, right? Are you following with me? Tracking? Okay, um, and then you, you visit one of the things in the parable of the sheep and the goats. He gives all those things. He, Did you go to prison? Did you visit me in prison? And when you go to prison, you, you hear stories about how people got to prison and all the injustice that led to that. When you take care of sick people, you see a lot of injustices there. You, you start to become a war aware. This is the incarceration rate for the U.S. compared to other NATO countries. It's off the charts. The amount of injustice there is just huge. Um, and my clicker's working, so I'm gonna tell a quick story. Um, I have a friend who used to live a block from this building, uh, African-American guy, and he's got a master, two master's degree, he's married, nothing suspicious about him at all. And so he went running to stay in shape. And the police pulled him over for running. Hey, why are you here? I'm wearing my sweats, I'm running. Uh, you live here? Yeah, my address is here. Okay. Uh, and it's not a one-off. A friend of his, he's a mentoring, who's in college, and he's an athlete. He comes and stays the weekend, and he goes for a run. The police pull him over, put him in handcuffs. Why are you here? I'm running. Do you live here? No, but I, I don't know the address. You can see how quickly both of those situations could go south, that they could be one of these. If you're not taught, and they teach, how to interact with police, right? It could go south really quickly, and justice could go really bad really quickly. Um, so we're going to do, I'm going to take inventory of you. This is just between you and God. I don't know most of you, right? So the question is, take inventory of your last month. Can you think really quickly issues of justice that you pursued and loving people that are the least of these? Does that come to mind right away? And if not, alarm bells should be going off in your brain. I'm not saying you go to hell. I'm just saying that you should be, whoa, something, these aren't turned on right now. Why aren't these turned on? That should be a concern. The next one is, how are you described? People that know you kind of well. Oh, Bob is awesome. He loves his family. He loves the Seahawks. And he, he uh, really loves people well. He loves justice. That should be in how people view you. And the last one is this. All ones. I don't know why they're all ones. But um, if you had a party, so we have, I have a speed limit birthday, we call it. I turn 50 next month. If you had a party and you invited all your friends, number one, who would you invite? And more importantly, who would come? If, if they are all in the same socioeconomic status as you, I think alarm bells should be going off in your brain. If Jesus threw a party, there would be Pharisees and tax collectors and prostitutes and shepherds and you know, fishermen, all kinds of people. It would be a hodgepodge in a really awesome way, and they would all want to be around him, no matter what their background was, right? So we're going to close with this idea. If these are not running for you, don't just start doing just things. 
figure out why. Why are you not connected to Jesus? He is the spring of eternal water, man. That is where it should all flow. You don't do it without him, your cistern's going to run dry. You do it with him, this is always going to be filled. They might sputter because we all have seasons of doubt and life gets crazy, but these should be running most of the time. And number two, what lights your fire? What, when you, ah, foster care, Eric and Carrie, foster care, oh man, that's it. Whatever it is for you, there's so many causes, you know, who made these pants? In what condition? Who picked the blueberries that I ate this morning and how many hours did they work before they did that? Uh, Clean water, uh, sex traffic, there's so many, uh, sex trafficking, to finish my word there, Uh, there's so many causes out there and it's just where you, where does that hit you? Christianity started as this little tiny cult, and when Jesus rose from the dead, it changed everything. It did. They said, it's real. And he said, you love people the way I loved you. I gave my life for you. That's the new way. Don't love the way you want to be loved. Love the way I loved you. And they did it. They took abandoned babies in and took care of them. They, they touched the lepers. They cared for them. Uh, and this city has lots of hurts. And it's not just our church, but if our church in general around the city would rise up and be as it was in the beginning when it was so pure and that people knew it was true. Eyewitnesses. One generation removed from eyewitnesses. Two generations removed from eyewitnesses that knew it was true. And their actions stood by that, right? If we have individuals, again, I'm not thinking about anybody in this room, but wherever God is putting on your heart to say, ooh, that's where I'm leaning in, I would encourage you to go for it with all that you can. Okay, let me pray for us really quick. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Your your throne is justice. We're dependent upon you. We can be just, but you really teach us how to do that. Help both of our faucets to be turned on all the time. And if they're not, teach us why those pipes are clogged. In Jesus' name, amen.